Hey, y'all, I want you to check out Brooklyn Games. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games. It's like a monthly zine subscription. Each issue is chock full of imaginative, useful information you will use at your table. Go to patreon.com backslash Brooklyn Games for a new issue in your mailbox or inbox every month. Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my returning guest, Philip Reed. Welcome. Hello. Good to be back. It's good to have you back. Now, uh, now I'm going to start this off with a question for you that's just completely out of the blue. When Gregor's Guide to Gates is a recent thing I got from you. Yes. You got the updated hardcover. That, yep. Yep. I got so you. Two- got, so- yeah. Yeah, so, so which is which? Now, there's there's a story behind this. I have two of them. <laughs> there's a miserable story behind this. Um, you notice one of them has a blue spine. Yes. And it is thinner and taller. It has fewer pages. Oh. That is the first printing. I used a printer in Korea, and they ran the 1,200 hardcovers, shipped them, and we figured out pretty fast they're coming apart. So that one is bad. I have to watch for that one. Keep it intact. It's going to be the rare one. Ooh, they all fall apart. Yeah, it's very spotty. Some hold up better than others, but all of them have some degree of trouble. And so I went back to Kickstarter and ran a small project with some stretch goals that added more content to the book. And then I reprinted the book when I shipped those out or when technically Amy shipped them out for me here in the U S rather than just recycle the bad ones, we decided we would ship the bad book and the good book to the backers. Excellent. excellent. Yeah. Because the, the bad ones, they're not good. Some are falling <laughs> apart. Some are eh, okay. And I thought it'd be better to let individuals decide if they want to give it away or if they want to recycle it. I haven't even I haven't even thought yet. I, I am going to hold on to it for now. I'm not going to recycle it or throw it away. If I give it to somebody, they're going to use it at their table. <laughs> but the book itself turned out really cool. I like it a lot, and I love the size. It's so tiny. What size is that exactly? If it's not quite an index card small, but it's not too far for that. It's uh, roughly A6 size. So A5 is roughly 5.8 by 8.3 inches. And this is uh, 4.15 inches by 5.8 inches. So two of them together equal a um, A5 sized book. I know this is just audio for most people, but since we're talking, I can <laughs> show you real quick. So here's an A5 book. Yes, A5 is like the Morkborg, Morkborg size, so, so it's literally just half of that. It's pretty much like just half the size. Yeah, so it's a quarter of, a, of an eight and a, a quarter sheet of an eight and a half by 11, pretty much, if you fold it down. To yeah, play. that's that's pretty close. Yeah. And that's A6, and A6 is not one of, I know I got a few books in my library. I got one of Adorno and... I got an Adorno book that's really tiny like that, I'm thinking. But I, I I think the other one I heard recently you spoke about 
was one that I have is Callow's Book of Monsters will be in print as because I know that that was something you just had to get. Oh, there's he's showing me a nice, a nice pretty vert. Now it's it's the one that you're showing me has the title on the front, whereas this one is just the image on the front. There's a slight difference there. <laughs> exactly. And this one does not have a spine. So the other one had the heart is a hardback without the spine. Yep. This one's stapled. Oh, okay. So the new one's gonna be like the staple bound. Yep. And it's not the hardback, but it does have a different front cover. It's got it's got more text on the cover. The art's the same. Because when I did the hardcover, since it was not for distribution, I could do whatever I wanted. So yeah. I just made it very uh, arty and didn't put a title on the cover. The title's on the spine. I don't think there's even any text on the back of is the hardcover as well. There's yeah, there's a little logo compatible. there but with a giant skull that, that just kind of takes up the whole place the skull is great but then on the distribution release there's uh it says destroy your campaign with new monsters rumors and adventure hooks and could you tell me maybe tell the listeners about Kalos? is it Kalos? am i saying that right i pronounce it Kalos, but Kalos. you pronounce it any way you want <laughs> Kalos book of monsters what is what is that so this is a uh, third-party um, Yorkborg book. It's a collection of 20 monsters. There's a tiny little hex crawl. There's a section of D66 rumors. And every single monster includes some adventure hooks. And it's just designed to be a tool for the game master who wants to throw some monsters at the PCs and murder them. Yeah. I think all of us uh, DMs need that game mask. Yeah. DMs or DMs. <laughs> and the hardcover is essentially gone. I think there's like three copies left or something. And enough people kept asking that we had a chat at the office and decided to just take a shot and release it to our distributor partners later this fall. And yeah, I've got the sample, the test copy now, and I've been reviewing it, and everything looks great. Now, at, when you say at the office, I believe, now you've been on here before, you work for your day job at... My Steve day Jackson. job, yes, I'm CEO of Steve Jackson Games, so that's my day job, and then my hobby is just making things. <laughs> and... If you haven't checked out some of the Kickstarters that he's put out there and some of the things like some of the some of the oh I don't even know if I can call all of them like they're there some of them are posters, large maps, um records, all kinds of little games. Um some are zine size. I got in a few, but there's a, a cornucopia of different things you've been doing for the last couple of years at least yeah i've made a couple cds a vinyl record i made a, a, a mini disc it's a really cool printer i found that makes uh, maps and i've been using that to create some different game expansions oh that mimic one's the one that i missed <laughs> oh no through there now you're are you what's the next one you have coming up soon? The, the mimic one was the map, correct? Yeah, the mimic project was a map. I also did a Morkborg map that we shipped out about a month ago. Um, oh yes, fathomless despair. I love how big these maps are because they're about thirty inches wide by almost sixteen inches tall, and they fold up. They're super compact. But yeah, next what I'm working on is a selection of slimes, which is a thirty-two page zine packed with 11 different slimes and a bunch of random encounter ideas for slimes. So it's not, it's not as tongue in cheek and silly as the mimics project, yeah. but it's kind of adjacent to that. It's not, 
I, I don't like to do extremely serious writing. I try and sprinkle in like a little bit of levity yeah. here and there in my writing. So I, I appreciate that. I think it, sometimes it's hard if you just keep on going gloom, dark, yeah, grim. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't keep up with that. I need a little, I need to laugh at the table a little bit. <laughs> I, I get enough of that in the world. I I was do I was running our castles and crusades campaign recently and, and I was messing with those slimes and hundred percent I have a lot of different resources for spicing up monsters but I was having a hard time finding much interesting to do with slimes so not gonna lie I'm, I'm very curious about this I'm curious to see what's 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 gonna be in the slime zine could you give us a maybe an idea or two what we might see in there. <laughs> yeah, I think I can do that. What we've got here is 11 different slimes. They are the Contentious Slime, a Druid Touch Slime, a Hellspawned Slime, a Humdrum Slime, Icky Slime, Merchant Slime, Necromancer Slime, Smarty Slime, Treasure Hungry Slime, a Vine Slime, and a Water Slime. Huh. And they are no more serious than they sound. Excellent. That's not bad. That's not bad. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see some of the, uh, the encounter stuff and stuff like that, that goes along with that. So spice up the table. I've, I've used quite a few of actually the things I've picked up from you that you've been putting out at my table. I, I think the first thing that I really started using at my table that you put out were um you had a bunch of uh, of of uh, we had look, the fantasy city sites and scenes books oh yeah those are great i had fun with those there's three different books in that series each one details i think it's 16 different locations in a city and then includes a lot of just random encounter ideas and th those were a blast the first one came about kind of miraculously it was april 2020 I wasn't sleeping. I was horribly, horribly stressed out. So I wrote the book in about six nights of not sleeping. Oh my. And the Kickstarter for that went great. That was a fun project. I'm curious about the rest element of that. How, how were you able to get some, were you ever able to get rest again? <laughs> I was only sleeping about three or four hours a night for that uh, week or a couple months, technically. Did you have, did you have coffee to get through the next day? No, I don't <laughs> usually have coffee. I've always been an early riser, so mm -hmm. as long as I can sleep past about 1 a.m., if I wake up and get up, I can be fine for the day. It's only really bad if I wake up like 11.30 at night and decide my day has started. That's yeah. going to be a miserable day. I think I'm, I'm an early riser, not by choice, but by children having to get them <laughs> off to school all the time. And I have to be the first one up in the morning and the last one to bed. So that makes <laughs> I'm the one that gets the least amount of sleep, it seems. <laughs> we have no children, so that's not an issue on our end. That's what causes me to become an early riser, at least compared to a lot of people. I'm not up at 1.30 usually, but... <laughs> I don't want to be, but it happens, and it's outside of my control, so you just go with the flow. Um, it's gotten better for the last month or so. I'm actually sleeping more like six- and seven-hour nights, and I feel good, but then I also feel guilty because I'm not as productive. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, man, I slept too long last night. <laughs> I could have actually gotten something done. 
So I'm curious what you are pretty prolific on the stuff you've been putting out on your own the last couple years over on Kickstarter and stuff like that. A lot of the zines and things that you put together. Um, when do you when do you get most of your work done on those? Is it like I think you're doing at nights or early in the morning or it's usually early mornings. A lot of days I'm awake no later than three or three thirty. Mm-hmm. So I can usually get a few hours of just quiet work in at that time. And I don't know, I'll steal five minutes here and there throughout the day if I've got an idea and get it written down really quick. Yeah. But early, early mornings is when the bulk of my work happens. I, I feel that I'm most productive. I just had this conversation recently. I feel like I'm most productive early in the morning. I get up and I can bust a bunch of stuff out in the first like six or so hours of the morning. And then after that, I feel like I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could use a nap one of these days. <laughs> We're looking forward to the to the to the the slime zine. Are there any other things you have planned for the future coming out that you've been working on or well shaking around your noggin? <laughs> Kickstarter announced their witch starter plan for October. Oh, what's that? I don't know if you saw that one. I did not see that. Witch starter. Is this yeah. like Zine Quest? Something they're gonna do Kickstarter wide? Something, yeah, it's Kickstarter wide. It's called Witch Starter. It's scheduled for October, but it's basically about doing some sort of uh, spooky fun. It's our first open call for magic and divination projects. To participate, launch a project in the theme of magic and the occult, or discover new favorites to pledge in. Says they'll give extra promotional boost to projects that follow the theme. Ooh, uh, deck good. of dice, book, board game, any idea that fits their witch starter plan. So, what I'm working on is Familiar Felines, Ooh. which is a collection of kitties. <laughs> I, I just got two kittens. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so far, this is designed as another one of the maps, and it includes four tables of uh, kitties. Each one has a name, description. It's kind of a little adventure hook in each one. So there's D13 Impish Kitties, D13 Mischievous Kitties, (laughs) D13 Undead Kitties, and D13 Troublesome Kitties. (laughs) I like the Troublesome Kitties. (laughs) it's a collection of cat familiars that GMs can use in their fantasy games. I, I like I like that. I'm hoping that's ready for October. And I almost I almost wore my Felix the Cat shirt today, but but I went with Queen instead, so I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> Maybe next time. I got my Felix the Cat tattoo on me. That never never leaves. <laughs> but my my goal for this year is to run 12 personal Kickstarter projects. I've run nine. Slimes will be number 10 for the year. That's this year. How many you and I think you've done something like 50 total at this point. When did you start doing the Kickstarters and things like that? Uh, You've been doing it for a few years now, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been doing them for uh, quite a while. I've got 50 personal campaigns and then I've worked on 50 plus more at the office and consulted on several for other people. I've I've been involved in over a hundred Kickstarter campaigns so far. Oh my, you, you must be a wealth of knowledge of what to do and what not to do. Could you... <laughs> I'm, I'm really good with the what not to do. Well, could you give any, I know we have quite a few folks who listen, who like to 
who will put out and create their own stuff. So did you get, have any specific advice to give to any of them that, you know, after running a hundred plus Kickstarters out there? <laughs> the, the advice I try and give to people who are new to Kickstarter is do something very small and simple your first time. Mm-hmm. And maybe that means you only offer like PDFs and print on demand codes. Don't even deal with the shipping. Just get your feet wet. And no matter what, once you've created your budget, double it because something's going to go wrong. And no matter what you think shipping costs, it costs more. <laughs> that That is a given. It is so easy to lose any potential profits just on shipping headaches. That's what I hear a lot of over and over again with the shipping. That's been a bigger and bigger issue for folks, I've noticed, especially in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, and I try not to offer international uh, fulfillment on personal Kickstarters these days because I keep losing money at it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say it costs $20 to ship a book to Germany, which yeah. is a little low these days. It actually costs more than that. So, but you charge some of the 20 bucks, you ship them the book and let's say something goes wrong and now you have to ship a replacement. Oh yeah. that's So you're suddenly out that 20 bucks yourself and you multiply that by 15, 20 people having problems in a thousand person Kickstarter. It adds up really fast. So I just, I, I wish I could ship to everybody on the planet, but I realistically just cannot because of the costs and the potential for things to go very wrong. And I feel like there needs to be some sort of shipping alternative that we have where everybody's complaints. There needs to be something done. <laughs> yeah. The using print on demand codes, like offering those at drive through RPG helps since they do have a UK printer. I know that isn't great for the EU these days, mm-hmm. but it is cheaper at least on the shipping. Yeah. What what is it that inspires you like media, books, films, like different things you're into that has inspired you to kind of do some of this stuff? It could even just be other games, but where do you pull inspirations from and influences? I, I mean, it sounds cheap, but <laughs> everything. Yeah. Um, I, I love to read fiction. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of music. <laughs> yeah, it's that. just it's just whatever i mean sometimes something as simple as an image can inspire an i'm idea. i'm curious as to what kind of music you're into <laughs> i listen to a lot of uh instrumental work mm-hmm. the nine inch nails ghosts uh, oh, yeah. series of albums gets a lot of play um i listen to a band called uncle uh un kelly quite a bit that's probably my number one band. I've got an uncle playlist on my phone that's over 30 hours of music. Nice. <laughs> and I've had I've had international trips where I just turn that on and let that play for the entire day. <laughs> I listen to a lot of synthwave. The turntable gets the most mileage these days. Oh, I'm curious about tools. that. So are you got a bunch of old, uh, yeah, old records, or is all mostly newer stuff, or what do you? Uh, the majority is the majority is newer stuff. Um, hmm. uh, Tobin, Tool. I've got, um, God, I don't know. It's like five hundred <laughs> records, bunch nice. of nine inch nails. But mostly, I listen to instrumentals because. I can write and do work mm-hmm. while I'm listening to instrumentals. And then I use uh, bone conducting headphones a lot during the day. Bone and conducting? What's that? 
So they are headphones that sit just in front of your ears, not mm -hmm. on your ears. And the uh, sound is transmitted through vibration. Oh, I've never heard of that and before. The awesome thing is I can use these. I can have music playing and I can still be in video calls for the office because I can still hear everything around me. So I'll have uh, instrumentals kind of turned down fairly low and I can just enjoy music while I'm working in uh, video calls for the office. I'm, I used I'm to wear them in the office that. all the time. Yeah, I use a brand called Aftershocks, and they're. Um, um, I didn't know that was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that was even a thing. I've never heard of yeah. that before. I'm used to all my headphones have been. Well, not all. For the minute that I couldn't find the big cover, your ears type, and right. I and I get those little earbuds. I do little earbuds the when I run. <laughs> I can't. I can't use earbuds. They're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing about these. It actually sits in front of your ear, so your ear is totally open. Yeah, and then the uh, sound is just uh, transmitted. Uh, when it comes to games, it doesn't seem like you've played. Have you been playing many role-playing, role-playing games as of recent? If not, when was the last one you? Not played? as it's been. It's been a while. It's usually D and D. If we do, mm. um, I I really want to get something lighter going. The challenge is, as you know, getting the group together. Yeah. And I've still, I've not had good luck with online tabletops. And I don't know if that's a mental condition with me or what's going on. But I just, I've tried a couple of them and I usually feel more confused. And it may be I just need to use Discord or something and not even try to use an official like virtual tabletop. I'll tell you 100%. I like, to use zoom more than even discord and i don't okay. even mess with the tabletops because i can't i had never done online gaming and i've never been a video game player i mean like i played frogger when it was in the arcade you know and i played some pong growing up but i'm not <laughs> i'm not video game oriented and i'm not and I, so like playing online seemed a little intimidating to me like that yeah and I, 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 I found that just, I never ran a lot of minis and board game type games, especially in the nineties. I never ran those until the, probably in the last decades, the first time I did use minis in my game. So we okay. wouldn't just go to the old theater of the mind. And I've just, I just use zoom. I find it too complicated to try to use other stuff. <laughs> and if you're using a game that's simple enough and familiar enough for the players, I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, I've used I've used Tabletop Simulator online a little bit. Yeah, I haven't um, tried that one. I'm just I'm not a fan of virtual tools, and I know that makes me a dinosaur. I get it. I, I I'm not that far from you there. I'd rather just I've used pencil and paper for decades. Yeah, it's not the same as getting everybody around the same table. Yeah, and rolling the dice, you miss something. Like I can roll here at my at my desk but like if everybody else can't see when it pops up that 20 or that one it's uh, you know it kind of loses a little something there yeah at the office when we do uh virtual play tests on some games because we've designed some specifically that will work through video yeah um usually when that happens we'll have a camera set up so that we can see our dice rolls I mean, but when you say a game designed to work through video, what do you mean by that exactly? This... Specifically, uh, we've made two books of dice games mm -hmm. that were all designed, developed, and play-tested remotely through video. Oh. And 
the idea is it needs to be games that don't have a lot of hidden information. Yeah. Because hidden information can be hard to do virtually. I mean, I mean, it's simple to do, mm-hmm. but it's hard to do in such a way that everybody's super comfortable with it. Yeah. And so these are all the information is public. And as long as one player is able to share their screen with maybe like scores or something written down, we'll even type uh, a running total of, of scores in the chat mm-hmm. when we're using Google meet or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's intentionally games that you can play when you're sitting together, but everything was tested remotely. And we know for a fact you can play remotely we actually just finished a round of new dice games we haven't announced yet that all the play testing was done online through a tabletop simulator and then just video meets oh cool that's pretty neat is that uh, yeah we're it, it's easy way to get together if you can't you know to play oh there we go you know and- just roll it and it doesn't make any sense. I'll fully admit that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I have an easier time playing uh, dice games or something virtually than I do RPGs. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just with a dice game, five, ten minutes, we're done. Mm-hmm. So it's a fun little diversion. But with an RPG, when you're going to be with a group of people, you just you want to be with a group of people. Yeah, I get it. Uh, there is a different. I have a harder time playing. Like I said, I ha- definitely have a harder time game mastering online. I don't think I'm game mastering anything online right now. All I'm game mastering is in person, but I'm playing a lot of games online. <laughs> I feel that I falter that. I I will try again for the online RPGs because mm-hmm. I feel like it's something I need to learn how to do. Yeah, I I I, I would you be interested in talking about the cereal box? <laughs> for a moment <laughs> sure thing what do you want to know now the idea you were telling me is that there's a company that makes cereal boxes and possibly trying to put out a, a, a cereal box dungeon or something like that was that what you were saying yes That's i've, idea. I've been to- talking to a printer a cereal maker that will produce custom cereal including a custom box so I've been working on a concept where it is a you get a box of cereal and printed on the box is a, an adventure. There's a dungeon right on the box. And once I get the design fully done, I'll do a test copy with them, verify everything works, and then I'll head to Kickstarter to sell somebody cereal. That would be kind of neat. Cereal. I wonder it's, how tasty it is. Um, I'm willing to bet it's horrible. <laughs> it's probably uh, like off-brand Fruit Loops, and everything is bizarre flavors or something. No, it is brand name Dungeonos. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I've been looking at is I found a CD manufacturer that makes CDs that look like vinyl records. Yeah. So the top of the CD, which is on a CD, not where the music is, has an actual like vinyl record design like a three-dimensional design. Wait a minute. When you say, so not where the music is, what part are you talking about? The actual record? A CD. It's a CD. Uh Uh-huh. And on CDs, the top where the artwork is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's no, there's nothing on that. All the data is on the reverse side. Yeah. So on this, what they did on the top side, they actually have 
the grooves and the design of a vinyl record as oh. part of the CD. So it looks like a tiny record, but it's a CD. It doesn't play as a record at all. It doesn't play as a record. It can't be done both ways. It just looks like one. Well, that's the thing. In 2007, somebody did create a CD on one side and vinyl record on the other. It's an actual format that's out there. Was not used much. Um, If I remember right, you can only fit like two or three minutes of music on the vinyl vinyl side because the disc is so small. And the it's, tone arm can only go so far in. It's smaller so than a 45. Kind of, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's smaller. Tiny. That's a tiny little thing. You're not going to be able to fit much. much. But you can get a couple minutes on there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I If I could find somebody who would make that, I would just because it's so bizarre. But one side's a CD and the other side's a vinyl record. I think it was 2007 that was made. And it was it was not popular or widespread at all. But it's cool. I wonder if there was any albums put out on that format. So what were those albums? Um, Where am I going to find them? <laughs> yeah, there, there was. There what? There were some albums put out like that. It makes me think of like, for a minute there, there was a lot of secret songs at the end of CDs, especially during the CD era. People would have like a gap and then they'd have a song come in after so much long, so long of just dead air. It seems like the kind of thing that you would put the secret song on the other side of the disc in that case. <laughs> kind of do the same thing with it. The technical term for it is vinyl disc. Vinyl disc. The other one that I was talking about, the CDs that just look like records, they they are not records. But yeah. they look pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we're about on time. Could you okay. tell the listeners where they can find you and check you out? Um, on Twitter, I'm at Philip J. Reed. On Kickstarter, I'm at Philip J. Reed. Mm-hmm. And sjgames.com is the Steve Jackson Games website where you can find pretty much everything I'm spending the majority of my days on. Excellent, excellent. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHeroCrom. We're on Patreon. You can find us at Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.